Creative Brain Candy by Creators for Creators. By the way, is Goodfellas not the greatest movie of all time? It's the greatest. Robert De Niro in that movie. Come on. Tell me Robert De Niro in that movie is not absolutely extraordinary. It's not better than Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci in that movie. Okay, well, that's fair. That's, that's totally fair. Joe Pesci. But Robert De Niro plays a loan shark, man. Remember that scene when he goes up to that guy with the wigs? With Maury. Maury. With Maury's wigs. Just pay him the yeah. money, Maury. Just pay the money. <laughs> I know you know where he is. You got money for that ads? Is, you don't got money to pay me back? Yeah. yeah you got, it's like we see him on his TV. He talks about it all the time. No one listens to what he's saying. And if I can do my best impression of uh, Ray Liotta right now. <laughs> Maury, just pay him pay back. Pay your money, Maury. Tell me that is, and Robert De Niro, the loan shark, man, which I think is really fitting because we're going to talk about debt in this we episode. Are. Later. So, Did you know that over $5 trillion exchanges hands on a daily basis? That's an average of over $220 billion an hour. Now, how does this much money move every single day and why does it move the way it does? Here on Drunkonomics, two bartenders, who also happen to be students at the University of Nebraska Graduate School of Business, are going to sit down and drink to the global economy, and try and translate it into English. So sit back, relax, pour yourself a stiff one, and have a drink with us to the comedy that is the global economy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Drunkonomics, the podcast where we get drunk and we talk about economics. Is that what we do? Well, we do at least half of it. The, the drunk, drunk part. part, yeah. Correct. Welcome back. We're here today. I think we're going to talk about um, power of debt. We touched on that a little bit last week. We did. So debt is powerful. It's really powerful. And it can be powerfully constructive. It can also be powerfully yeah. destructive if you're like an oil firm. If you've ever seen the movie, if you've ever seen the movie Goodfellas, that should tell you how powerful debt is. Fuck you, you're going to pay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm just pay, saying, man. But anyways, before we get started, I have to give a million shout outs. And I'm sorry to put you through this. But first of all, we have our friend from uh, University of Tasmania, Utah, Luke on uh, Instagram. Thanks Luke, for mess- yeah, no, welcome aboard. Yeah, man. Thanks for messaging us, man. I'm glad you love our podcast. Uh, I lo- hope you don't quit because one of us is a Kiwi. But, it's you know, me. we love you too, man. Seriously, man. We encourage you to DM us whatever you want, Absolutely. man. Let us know what we suck at, what we're great at. I don't care. Or if like, you just have a question. Or whatever. Or if you have a drink recommendation like that Max bloke. Oh, Max. And, you know, and it all started with because, our, was that, our- He said the strong arm for tonight? Yeah. I'm not going to lie, Max, dude. I'm sorry to do this to you. Specs. It's we not love you, happen. man. But freaking, dude, Blue Curacao, man. I like. One, no, we're going to use that. It's it's the Jaeger that's killing us. It's we're gonna have to use a we're gonna have to just do a loan shark tonight. Yeah, so I, I created this random drink called a loan shark. It's essentially just a beer, some lager called Land Shark. Put a little bit of blue, blue curacao in it and put a little bit of Irish whiskey in the beer. It's not great. Yeah, it's no, it's it's less than spectacular. But the reason why I put the Irish whiskey is just in honor of the Irish mob. You ever seen the Departed? Excellent. They break legs. Loan sharking. There you go. Loan sharks. Exactly. We're sitting here drinking loan sharks and. Talking about the economy. Also, I have to give a huge shout out to Creative Brain Candy. Absolutely. Um, they have stuck their neck out for us and have helped us launch merch. So we have merch now. Absolutely. If you guys want Drunkonomics shirts, Drunkonomics hoodies, hats, coffee mugs. mugs. Yeah, stickers. Uh, uh, yeah, whatever. I, 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 there's a bunch of stuff out there. So obviously, there. Tim, you asked about merch. Yeah, dude. We got, We've delivered, or at least Creative Brain Candy has delivered. Yeah, we got merch for you, for our righteous bloke in Australia. Max, if you want some. Luke, if you want some. We got some merch, man. I would love to ship it to you for free, but it's not like I don't have the I don't own the warehouse, so I can't produce the shirt and ship it to you for free. Otherwise, I totally but Tim, would. If you send us your address, here's what I'll say. As James, I will ship to you personally at my own cost. I will send you the hoodie. Uh if you send us 
You send the address, I'll send you the hoodie. Yeah. And Least Tim, we can do. You Tim, are our first man out the yeah, game. Yeah, and Tim, dude, are you not on Twitter or something? Like, dude, find us on Twitter, man. I want to interact with you on Twitter because you have to see our really clever tweets. We're cleverer than we look. Yeah. We don't look that clever, yeah. I think. And also, uh, Creative Brain Candy, they've launched several new podcasts, but I want to give a quick shout out to Smoking and Drinking in Space. That is Jason's podcast on Creative Brain Candy. He's the guy that set up our merch, but he's also a brilliant talker. Smoking and Drinking in Space is essentially a podcast where people sit there, smoke something, and watch a movie and give feedback on the movie. But we need to move on to the meat and potatoes. Uh, real quick, I need to give a, sh- a shout out to one more podcast. It's not in our network, but it's a brilliant podcast. It's a good friend of mine. His name is uh, Luke Kastner. Luke Kastner? I don't know. He's your friend. I know. This is, this is, I'm so bad with names. I, just, I was on a call with him not too long ago, but his podcast is The <laughs> Commonwealth. He gave me a lot of good podcast pointers, so I appreciate it. Uh, good talk with you, man. The Commonwealth Podcast, check it out if you have time to consume more podcast content beyond of course, us. us because we are awesome. I mean, this is like my sixth beer of the day, not to mention all the whiskey I've drank. Okay, a classy but, yeah, broad. But let's get into it, man. So today we're talking about debt, the power of debt. Debt, if you know, is what you owe. It's not really hard to conceptualize debt because the brilliant thing about debt is if you make $100,000 a year, and this is the direct words of Ken Griffin, who is a brilliant hedge fund manager, and we've touched on this before in episodes prior, but if you make $100,000 a year, your buying power for that year is $100,000. If you can borrow $10,000, now your buying power is $110,000. So essentially, debt is a brilliant thing because it helps you buy more, helps you buy more than you earn, but essentially... Your debt to equity ratio when you borrow $10,000 and you make $100,000 a year is 10 to 1, right? This is, I'm, I'm really oversimplifying uh, this, uh, depending, yeah. on, depending on what you spend, depending on what you so buy, the, so the best, depending on what assets you build up, right? The best way to talk about debt as a tool is to actually play the game Monopoly. Oh, geez. I hate, you know, I hate to say it. Yeah, no, it is. But, um, yeah, but anyways, as far as debt servicing goes, like you can only build up your $10,000 a year of additional debt for so long. At some point, you have to service your dad. Yeah, at some point, as uh, Jordan Belfort's dad from Wolf of Wall Street would say, the chickens are going to come home to roost. So, <laughs> so you're going to have to service your debt, right? So, what I want to touch on first is government debt, Federal Reserve balance sheet, right? Well, or do you want to go the other okay. way around? No, touch on it. Touch, on, touch on, it. on the balance sheet. What is what, first of all? What does the balance sheet mean? What, when some smart bloke that comes on CNBC says. The Federal Reserve is expanding the balance sheet. This is going to be terrible for inflation. This is going to be terrible for interest rates. This is going to be so, terrible for... What does well, that mean? First off, the big problem with the Federal Reserve is they're not a... Well, I'm sure the Fed could balance its, sheet, its balance sheet. I would say is they're expanding the amount of money they're putting out into the market. So, so, so when, when they're expanding their balance sheet, essentially is what they're, what they're doing is they're creating more assets, right? Theoretically. Yeah, so but, it, de- it depends entirely upon how the Fed um, puts their money out in the market. Yeah, so but if, if the Fed were to put its money out into the market in, a, in terms of, I would say, uh, convertible bonds or in terms of bonds, uh-huh. yeah, it's expansion of the balance sheet. They're, they're putting their cash out and they're giving their liability, well, not even necessarily liability, but their investments ability to, uh, to grow in the future. And so uh, given the current corona crisis, I would say, it would be very responsible of the uh, the Federal Reserve or the United States government to, if it were to invest in a private firm, to invest 
not through loans, but through bonds or through convertible bonds. Yeah. And, well, the, the, and, that's, and that's because, as we all know, convertible bonds could potentially convert to equity, mm-hmm. which means that we're giving you money uh, currently in a downturn, but we're giving it with the ability to share in your future profits. And, equity sharing. And yeah. my thing is, if you're, if you're a private firm that wants to socialize loss and privatize gain, you have no business in a market. Um, Absolutely it's not. not fair to do so. That being said, if you require the government to subsidize you in your downturns, you no longer have the right to privatize gain. You must socialize. Yeah, but what, what I also want to um, talk about too is like, as far as the Federal Reserve, how they expand their balance sheet, there are two ways. There are two ways really the Federal well, the Reserve- The first is to print more money. Okay, okay, well, hold on. One is they loan out more debt. Right. Correct. One man's debt is another man's assets. Well, hypothetically, yes. If you want to include debt is a source of revenue, debt, my debt is a source to, of revenue to, for someone else. Yes. Right. Yeah. If you want to include default risk, if you want to include, well, we have to, I think. Yeah. You, at certain. Points. Obviously, if you want to include receivable, uh, what's that? We have your accounts receivable, and then there's like that risk factor as far as like, okay, the, oh, allowance might, for doubtful accounts. Right. Allowance for doubtful accounts. That's what it is. You have to include that in for the Federal Reserve balance sheet. But if the Federal Reserve lends out more money, they're really is expanding their balance sheet because they're creating more assets. Well, if you, if, yeah, well, if you, I suppose if you're, if you're, if you're putting more money in play as the person giving out your money to be in play, yeah, your balance sheet, I wouldn't say, I say expands, but I would say your balance sheet becomes more, um, oh. well, it becomes more asset heavy. Doesn't it? It depends on what you're buying. No, it depends on what no, you're lending I mean, out. You're diversifying your balance sheet. So if you lend out more money, you're diversifying your balance well, it sheet? it depends on who you loan it. You loan it to, but in this, in the current circumstance, yes, I think you are diversifying your balance sheet. Okay, so, you know, but that's one way the Federal Reserve can expand the balance sheet is one, lending out more debt, but two, they can also print more currency, which in a period like this, when deflation is- Deflation is not a current issue. Well, I beg to differ. I think, right. I think deflation is, I don't want to say it's an issue right now, but- my stance, if you want to hear my stance, which- I, I do. Okay. I'd love to. We're a podcast together, my friend. Okay, well, let's perfect. Hear, well, this is my stance on deflation right You've now. You've often heard my opinion on things. Why? So okay, well- Obviously, send yours my way. Awesome. Well, perfect. So this is my stance on deflation right now is everyone is wondering, okay, the Fed, the Treasury, whatever, is printing all this money, mm-hmm. send out to people, and they're just- I mean, if you thought TARP was bad, TARP was what, $256 billion? TARP wasn't a- um, TARP was a was a profitable and good idea for the federal Okay, government. but how much was it initially? $256 billion? I couldn't, I, off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you. I think, I think I it was around- the, I can tell you that the United States made back its money. I know it has. I understand. I, and I completely understand that, that they have, and TARP was an absolute so brilliant idea. So TARP was the troubled asset relief. The troubled asset relief program that bailed out all the big banks in 2008. Well, um, as much as it, it bought the troubled assets and then sold them back to the banks at a profit. And so at a profit in like 2013, 14, and 15. Yeah, several right? years later. And so the idea that the federal government has no business in business, I think is absolutely true. Yeah, when but, times are good or times are fine, but when yeah. times are poor, the government needs to step in as exactly. it has done. But going back to deflation, right? So let's define deflation first. Okay, deflation okay, well, is an ex- is an excess of supply. There's no excess of supply right now. 
There's no risk of deflation. Okay, but so this this is where I beg to differ from you. No, that's right? the, that that is the definition. Of but it. I don't think it's I don't think it's necessarily just that an excess deflation doesn't. There just, are other factors. Yeah. Deflation does yeah. Deflation doesn't just come from an excess supply. It comes from no that's one the spending. Major. Yeah, that's a huge portion of it. But I think the root of it comes from no one is spending their money. Right. So. Well, the reason why I don't think there is one a deflation scare and an inflation scare is because the federal government, the treasury is printing all this money and giving out all this money, which I think in any other time should cause a giant surge of inflation. That's not happening right now. Well, and I think it's because everyone's applying all these constraints on their own personal budget. They're not buying anything they don't need. No one's going out on a cruise. No one is spending any money on their excess vacation. They're buying alcohol, but well, there's they're no not. such thing as an excess vacation. Okay, fine, whatever. I didn't mean to say excess I vacation. Know, I, know, I know it's no mean to be very. Whatever, man. I'm, <clears throat> I, dude, I'm like. I realize that's me being an asshole. No, yeah, you're right. dude, I'm you're like right. five there's... Irish whiskeys in already. So what the hell, man? Well, you think I'm not far behind you. You're wrong. <laughs> no, you're ahead of me. Uh, ooh, that's right. <laughs> no, so deflation comes from one of two things. It comes from an absolute pitfall of consumption. So absolute lack of demand or an absolute just windfall of supply so is that kind of what happened with the oil last week i think that's absolutely correct i think that's, that's probably right that we saw a we saw oil continuing to being pumped on the wti wti as we talked about last week when it went to uh negative 37 and a quarter or so that's oil in so if oil was in currency specifically, well, so if if, the, if oil was a currency, which kind of is, but if it, if it was a currency, that's hyper oil inflation, hyper deflation. No, it's no. Infl it's inflation. No, because de no, inflation is when you're willing to pay more money for less. No, 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 I'm saying if oil was the currency, you weren't willing to pay more money for less. You were willing to pay more. No, 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 no. I'm saying if oil, money for if, less if, oil. If oil was the currency, you're the, the devalue of oil means it was hyper inflation. No, hyper deflation. No, because deflation means it, it goes up in value. You're willing to pay more not to receive it. I think that's deflation. Inflation, okay, okay, okay but, you, but, I, but I still think you're, you're thinking of okay, oil as a commodity. Okay. I'm saying we're, we're, we're arguing back and forth about the negative. I think the negative side of things says it's it's deflation. No, no, it's no, 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 oil is no, actually no. not worth it. So I think we're back and forth on things because if I'm saying if and oil and if, and if, and if, if oil was the German franc, yep. then that's hyperinflation for oil. Until it hits zero, and then it becomes deflation. Because then I'm willing to pay you. I'm sorry. So then take I'm the German franc? Then, I'm sorry, we often think of things as the receiver and the payer. And so the right. negative side of thing changes our minds because so the negative side of things says inflation means the value of this good has gone down. Deflation means, I think at a certain point, you're willing to pay me money to take consignment. You're, you're not even mm -hmm. selling me. You're, you're selling me your good at a negative price. Yeah. Which means that, I'm paying you to take my good. And that, and that kind of strikes me as deflation. That's not inflation. Inflation in, assumes growth. Deflation does not. Deflation okay. actually, frankly, assumes shrinkage. Yeah. Well, anyways, let's get back on the topic <laughs> of debt. But um, so like um, in terms of like, <laughs> we have a spectator here and he's we do. he's laughing at how drunk but we are. But he's not wrong. Yeah. He, he, it's, it's completely justifiable. Good on you, Will. Yeah. Good on you, Willie. Um, but anyways, so in terms of government debt, what I want to touch on is the government is around like what I don't know. Last last figure I saw was twenty two trillion dollars in debt. Me personally, I don't think that's an issue worth panicking over. I'm panicking, perhaps not. The dollar amount is more concerned with the percentage. Amount. 
So with, the, with the GDP, with the GDP so ratio. So if I have a hundred, if I have a one hundred, if I have one hundred trillion dollar GDP and I'm operating on a twenty-two trillion dollar deficit, yeah, we've got some problems. If, oh, wait, wait, so say that if again. If I'm a one hundred dollar GDP. Oh, we, I thought it's a one hundred trillion dollar GDP. No, no, okay, $100 well, one hundred dollar GDP. I fair. may have said one hundred trillion initially. I remember, okay. if I'm a hundred dollar GDP and I'm offering <laughs> a twenty-two trillion uh, deficit GDP. Yeah, man. Yeah, we've got a serious yeah. problem. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we do. Ideally, a government should not operate with more debt than GDP. Yeah. Well, okay. Without well, without certain exigent circumstances. Well, okay. So you say exigent circumstances. Japan. Japan is around three hundred percent debt to GDP ratio, right? Um, I think France is around two hundred and twenty percent. I don't know. I could be way off on that. I'll look um, into it right quickly. Okay. Yeah. Look into that right quickly. The point is, Japan and France have this insane debt to GDP ratio, and everything. I mean, of course, prior to this coronavirus thing, everything seemed to be fine out there. France everything, is ninety-eight point four. What about Spain? Maybe I'm thinking of Spain. UK is ninety-six, ninety-five point nine, really. But Germany is also sixty-one point nine. Well done. Of debt to GDP. Yep. How? Ah. Uh, don't ask me. Because they know. have negative interest rates. How well, is that? So the reason, well, I can't. Probably, okay, well, they have. They maybe that's because they have negative interest because rates. They, because they, because Germany, they're trying has, to incur more. They're trying to. Germany gosh. has deflation concerns. The entire euro does. The entire wow. eurozone has huge concerns about deflation. So the whole EU is. They've well, gone to negative rates because the alternative is the fact that they they might actually have a deflationary currency, and they're trying to combat it. Now they're actually trying to combat the negative rates now too. Hopefully, because they have a huge investment and a huge industrial base in and in health concerns, they might be able to claw themselves out of it, especially coming out of this. Okay. Uh, well, anyways, um, so Japan. I'm trying to contrast. Japan and Greece, right? Because uh-huh. Japan has so much debt. Greece has an incredible amount of debt as well. Both of those countries are living in two completely different circumstances because Greece is just rioting all all the time. And then Japan is just totally fine. And if you look at the U.S., the U.S. has a debt-to-GDP ratio of what? What did we say it was? It was 106%. 106, 106 or 108%. I thought it was Beginning of this quarter. Um, before this whole thing happened, which is... No, as this thing was starting to happen. Right, yeah. So... 106%. Which really is not that bad because if you... Think about it this way. If we issue a bunch of 30-year bonds, the 30-year bonds, all the 30-year debt that we incur is not of risk to us for the next 10 years. We can service that debt slowly. Well, I'm saying for the next 10 years because election cycles, whatever. Election cycles can affect bonds. Exactly. But I'm just trying to say in the context of the political cycle. It's it's substantially long. It's it's longer term than any senator, any congressman, any two-term president. It's it's not their concern. So that's a fair That's what I'm saying. It's not their concern. It's an American concern, in my view. To be truthful, it's not really your concern. It is your kids' concerns more so than it is your concern. Unless you intend to retire, then it is your concern. Yeah. But if you think about who owns most of the U.S. debt, you'd be surprised to know that Americans own- About 56% of the U.S. debt is owned by the United States. By the United States. Most of it by large banks- Private equity firms, also um, government institutions, government, other government institutions, which which sounds like a crazy cycle. Yeah, it is. That one's a weird sounds, one. to me. To me, it sounds kind of like uh, it sounds kind of like Elon. Well, it sounds kind of like Elon Musk, <laughs> 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 right? Yeah, where he borrows money from SpaceX to, <laughs> to finance operations from Tesla. We're not whatever. That far off. Which you know, like whatever. Who cares? I mean, not who cares, but well, the shareholders. Yeah, obviously. but uh, what I'm trying to say is like, why is there? 
what? power and debt. Okay, well, I'm I'm getting around to that, but like, so like, why is there a country like Japan that is in so much debt and they're just fine, and then there's a country like Greece that's in so much debt and they're wreaking havoc out there? Well, the only response I can give to that, and this is not, don't sue me, please. You only work shit, so don't sue him. <sighs> and don't make that much money. You you won't win. All right, the reason you'll make five dollars if you the sue. The reason him. why is that um Japan. Okay. No, the reason why is because in Greece, the national hobby is um, tax evasion. Tax so evasion. That's right. As I've said before, not- Japan is a productive nation that pays its taxes. Now, the fact that they're at 196% debt to GDP, oh, really? I, I actually don't know right how that works. I actually don't know how that works. It shouldn't work, but Japan is very productive. They're very economical, and they have a huge amount of IP. What's IP? Intellectual properties. And so they're developing. So it's working. Okay. Okay. Well, that Whereas makes sense. Greece because, doesn't, to my knowledge, well, have a whole lot of that. They've that's got, what we were talking about earlier. Dude, honestly, like, let's be real here. This is the power of debt. I would rather invest in Japan than I would in Greece. Yeah. So, like, this is my thing. I know is if, Japan is producing. Yeah, if you want to know what the power of debt is, which, like, which, which is, we haven't even is, started on, but yeah, we'll get but to shortly. This is the power of debt. Is Let's say I create a new type of shoe that can let you jump 20 feet in the air. And land softly without any repercussions to your. That's absolutely fine. Yeah, there's no negative repercussion whatsoever. I created this shoe, and all my friends buy it, right? So now, let's say like I made a hundred dollars profit off of that, and I want to produce a million more of these shoes. I can't do that with a hundred dollars, so I need to finance that operation with debt. And he has two options. Well, he has two options. You can do it with equity. You can do it with debt. Equity, and we talked the other week about equity. Equity is a fancy way of saying I can dilute my ownership in my own company, or I can borrow money from someone else. Exactly. So equity is a fancy way of saying it's it's another it's a fancier way of saying this ownership. is debt. This is debt because if I want to buy back my ownership, it's just you're you're retiring your kind of. Equity to me is kind of like debt, but not no, really. Equity is not like debt at all. I know it's not, but I'm saying like the fundamental factor. As as the initial owner, is, equity to other owners might feel like debt, but it's not debt. Okay, because my thing is like, okay, so if I want to create this factory, yep. I needed $100 million to produce this factory, and I'm willing to give up 20% of my company, I'm valuing my company at $5 million, hypothetically, yes. right? Yes. You're if right. you do the math, $100 million to build a factory, for 20%, which is one-fifth of the company, that means the overall value of the company is one times five, which is, or 100 million times five, which is 500 million, right? So I'm receiving $100 million in cash for a portion of my company. If I understand, that, that I understand is, that's not debt, but it's a way of, it's a way of me financing my operation. I understand. Okay. I understand there's but a that's, difference. But that's equity financing. I know. I understand there's a huge difference. And I'm Absolutely. Not, and I'm not denying that in the slightest bit, but um, I but understand. That's not, that's, no, that's I equity financing. If you sell, if I you sell. I, but equity financing is a completely different beast because like, let's say like, I raise $100 million to produce a shoe factory. Less than a year from now, these guys want their money back because of some economic catastrophe like the coronavirus. Well, they've here's their first problem is they bought equity, not debt. And so what they did was they bought value in future earnings, right? So we talked about future earnings. They can liquidate their holdings, try and get their money back, but that doesn't affect you as a business. It might affect your share price, and that might affect your ability to buy back shares to create treasury shares which, and thank you, Bob, I did notice that we never actually defined what a treasury share was the other night. 
A treasury share is a share that has been issued into the into the public and then repurchased by its own company. So Nike sells 100 shares and buys back 98 shares. Those 98 shares are now considered treasury stock. Yeah. And it's something we didn't discuss two weeks ago, three weeks ago when we talked about equity. Yeah, we talked about equity. Which, yeah. again, my bad, we were drinking. And we still are. As we do. Yeah. That being said, no, you, you can't buy shares of something and then try to do a debt transfer it's not possible more often than not what you do is you buy uh convertible stock uh you buy the bond i'm sorry convertible bonds and so you buy the bonds as a debt holder and then you convert them to equity in order to dominate control okay yeah what i'm saying like so i understand equity financing is not the same but it's a way of like if i wanted to bank and i said you know here's a brilliant plan for shoes and whatever you know all i need is a hundred million dollars to make back your money it's a big loan right yeah but there's a structure to debt right yeah debt always and has a structure as far as like and this so is the repayment, so this the repayment plan. You, so they would and all it's a repayment plan of interest and of principal they would right? in all likelihood offer you something and it wouldn't be a note because they're not gonna offer you a hundred well unless you're a trillion dollar company they're not gonna be a hundred a million well, dollar or if you have a giant collateral unless right? you had massive collateral to stand yeah. up against it in which case they might give you a a note against a percentage of interest yeah. granted this is all hypothetical but you know agreed what they're probably going to offer you well as a Theoretically, public trade company, if you found your shoes are doing this kind of business, you've got VCs and then public trading. They're going to offer you a, um, it would be in their best interest to offer you a convertible bond. What's, what does that mean? And what is a, what is a convertible so bond? So a convertible bond is a bond, which is essentially to say debt or commercial script or commercial paper. You can buy a bond from someone that is convertible. And then the conversion is it goes from being debt to equity. You can re- you can replace your hundred dollars of debt for two hundred dollars of stock, really? common stock, yeah. so stock voting without, stock, yeah. voting stock, yeah. So that's what conver- convertible bonds do. It's it, it allows someone who might be willing to he might buy into you as a as you think of as a debtor, and he might be a creditor, and he might go, I don't want to be a creditor anymore. I want to be an owner of the company because maybe the company has. Some really good IP. Maybe it has a really good manufacturing base. Maybe it has something you can convert from being a debtor, a creditor, to being a owner, and then you can influence because you might have transferred Accor- yourself according from, to the amount of equity that you own. Obviously, it might not be or much debt to equity that you purchase. Right, so yeah. you might have purchased, say, a company that uh, oh, we'll give you something that you converted. It comes out to twenty percent of the company. You might go from going, oh, the company's doing better than I thought it would, and I think the company will continue to exist. So instead of um, having them pay me back what I lent them, I actually think that becoming an owner that pays me a substantially better dividend, or even more importantly than that, if you're if you're doing a conversion like that, you're generally speaking going to be a sizable owner. Well, I mean, equ- so equity. You, so you can then... Uh, influence the board and this and the uh the c-suite yeah well equity is a little bit more attractive in the sense that the growth in equity is a little bit more attractive well again because we know that when you're the um if you, we understand that if a company fails its creditors are paid held. before it's yes exactly owners. so the yeah. so the risk the risk in equity is a little bit higher because if things go tits up you know debt holders you get their hopefully money first you can get your your money back depending if on if you're the a debt holder if you're a debt holder, you can typically get your money back. Uh, uh, well, depending on cash wholly. balances. As a, as, well, a de- uh, as, a, as a as a as a creditor, you are paid before the owner before the owners. 
So as, yeah, a, exactly. as a debtor, so you, you are paid back first. Yeah, so in a sense, that's one of the reasons why being a debt holder implies less risk. But, Absolutely. Uh, it's safer guys, to be dude, a debt holder than a than a, an owner. It's, yeah. safer, it's safer to be a creditor than an owner. It's safer to invest in um, preferred shares than common shares. Yeah. Because the, the preferred shares are the in-between between a bond and common stock. Yeah. Dude, we, we were supposed to talk mainly about debt, but this ended up being like a talk about debt versus equity instead of the power of debt. Okay, so let's talk about the power of debt, though. Really quick. Okay, yeah. It comes down to a very simple thing, and I do kind of hate to um, determine our president currently to be a, uh, a shrewd businessman, but he has been known to say historically things along the lines of, if you owe the bank $100, $1,000, $100,000, the bank owns you, you're going to pay it back. But if you owe the bank a million dollars, a billion dollars, you own the bank. So it's this interesting concept of what debt is worth. And so that's kind of how, yeah. on a grand scale, that's a pretty considered. fascinating concept. Now, when I talked to Aaron about the power of debt, I was speaking from the same standforth of the farming step family that has brought me to Nebraska. Not the uh, break your knees family? Not my Jewish New Zealand family that brought me from the wineries? No, no, no. <laughs> no, it's, it's my, it's my uh, south of Lincoln farming family that has taught me to drive Allison Thomas tractors, has taught me how to drive a- Okay, uh, we get it. You're a redneck. All right. I'm not a redneck. I'm really not a redneck. I, I know you're not, but I'm I saying- th- I'm really not a redneck. Blood. I know how to do farming stuff. And frankly, I'm so happy I've learned. And my education on the farm was so much better. And so I thank my family for that. And you know who you are. But it's the same. It's a mortgage. The power of debt is a mortgage. The power of debt is a tractor, is an option to buy a tractor loan. The power of debt is saying my, my 100 acres of soy has made enough money for me to be willing to go out and risk my 100 acres. To buy 50 acres more, because I know that in the worst case, I can, with my spending, offset that cost and then still accrue it at the end. Uh The power of debt is how people buy houses, how people buy cars. You don't have the cash on hand. Debt is a useful tool. It's abused by people. Pretty heavily, yeah. But as a tool, it is the one of the most powerful tools. It is the tool that sits right behind credit, and that's only because credit is the tool that gives debt a name. Well, like, I mean, people hear the saying all the time, the nation runs on credit. Yeah. Which also means the nation runs on debt. I mean, yes. For instance, the nation, like- the, well, credit is the idea that the nation runs on the promise of future incomes. Future incomes, which leads to a future servicing of those previous debts. Of that debts. current debt, yeah. Right, or current debt, yeah. So, I mean, so, it's here's like me when so, here, so here's the thing. Well, it's like me when I bought my guitar, right? So He's like, paying $13 a month, folks. Yeah, exactly. So this is the thing about But it's when good I, guitar, I've seen yeah, it. So this is the thing about my guitar that I purchased recently was after tax, it was around six sixteen something and a couple cents, whatever. I don't know what it was. What they do is they take that number, whatever the total dollar amount is, they divide it by 48 and they round it up to the nearest dollar. So they're still making money off of it. No, they're not. What? You're paying it no interest. They're not making any money. They are because they're rounding it up to the nearest. So they're making- They're doing revenue and revenue is what matters and they're not making any I'm money. The bank. Actually- the, ba- the bank the bank that is loaning me the 600 however many dollars. They're making money because when they service my debt, they they take the payments, which is like 1240 a month or whatever. They round okay. it up 
to so there's a bank a that isn't car so store, and that's so true. Okay. So, so they're making sixty cents a month or whatever it is off me. You right? know what? That's revenue, and revenue exactly. is exactly. So like, and if so that's and what if, I mean. And is if it, I learned it, one thing from my stepdad, it's a very simple thing: right. businesses live or die by revenue. Well, and that's what I'm trying to say is, so they're making sixty cents a month off of loaning me. 600 or whatever, however many dollars for the guitar. They probably think that they've sold to you at a, um, at a rate that's above the future uh, inflation. Rate. Exactly. They might well, lose that, money. That, they're probably going to lose. They money. might lose money. And, you know, given the interest rates at 0% right now, they're well, probably they, losing They're not money. making money. That yeah. And, and the way I see it is like, let's say they were making, let's, let's, let's say at the end of the day, they made a hundred dollars in profit off of loaning Fine. me that much money. Well, that's, that's a business. Right? That's, yeah. And let's say they were. And it's something you agreed to at the beginning. It's something I wanted something I agreed to at the beginning. And two, it's something that I can afford as opposed to paying for the guitar a hundred percent right now. It's like buying a house. Uh, right. It's like buying the a mortgage. house. It's the mortgage. It's, I can't afford to buy no my house afford- outright. But I can afford to make payments in the future. I can afford to pay $1,200 a month for a $500,000 house as opposed to paying $500,000 for a house up front to the yeah. previous owner or to whoever. So right? essentially what we're saying, what we're all acknowledging is that the mortgage is just between the mortgage and the um, car loan are the two most known and understood yeah, it, debt equities. What you, yeah, because what you're doing is you're, lever- you're, you're leveraging an asset. Your ability to pay. Yeah. And that's usually what most people do, most businesses do when they take out a loan i mean that's how most bars start up is they leverage the actual bar bars need a huge amount of initial capital yeah exactly to buy all the liquor and to buy you know the the initial inventory the inventory inventory the wages all that kind of stuff the co2 for the single largest for the beers whatever expenditure yeah and booze is not cheap man i mean i wish it was i wish it was like you know, last week kind of made me wish that, you know, scotch was a uh, geopolitical weapon. But, you know, if someone would pay me $37 to drink a barrel of scotch, yeah, I would. I'd have done my best for the 22 gallons. Yeah. Dude, we could have split it for an episode, you know? <laughs> could have killed us both. Yeah. yeah. Why didn't you try? Yeah. Well, anyways, I want to I wrap up soon because we've been talking forever. We have and, been. And the worst part is we haven't been talking about important. We're just well, talking about this is the thing. as it is. I think next week's episode... Because I think next week we're going to talk about betas and the function of betas. Betas, unless power, somebody, okay, so next week we're going to talk about the power of debt. This week we're going to talk about how debt is a tool. And betas, I think, are a huge function. Well, debt is a huge function of betas. Obviously, that, that, that's, that's, also, that's not the other way around. A hugely powerful but, tool. Yeah, it's not, it's not the other way around. But like, like I said, I want to wrap up soon because I kind of have to yeah, think of this. Yeah, but um, essentially next week. We're going to dive more into depth about the power of debt, how it affects certain companies' betas, and hopefully bring to light more current examples of debt aside from debt to GDP ratios of random well, countries. Well, that's national value. Yeah, exactly. And bed balance sheets and whatever that means. God, are you okay, man? No, I've got hiccups. Oh, geez. That's embarrassing. But um, futures went up a little bit today, and then they hit a ceiling just shy of 24, and then went and they took a nosedive. I mean, not really a nosedive. It's relative to um, where they were. They took kind of a nosedive. So I don't know. What do you think Like the market outlook is for this week? Is okay. it going to be a positive? I, I've always felt like this whole thing is kind of a dead cat bounce. I don't want to say it is dead cat bounce because that kind of implies that's going to go. So I have one thing. question about the markets to come. And it's a very simple question. And it's if, is Kim Jong-un dead? And I'm not kidding. I don't mean to bring political things into the discourse. But if he's died, then there's a huge amount of concern 
and volatility about to happen in yes. in Asia, in, in Korea and Japan. Well, and, well, hold on. Well, before you go on, before you go on. Hang on. Korean growth last week kind of buoyed US growth. And if that's it's a thing though, if Korea's economy is about to dedicate it, it's about to half dedicate itself to theoretically creating a a unified Korea. It's a it's a devastating idea and uh, for economical growth and 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 Japan is definitely going to be involved in that because they're there. China is going to have a does, hold on, does North Korea take North Korea lend out any money? No. But what I'm saying is South Korea, so. Japan and China who do lend out money if right. It's debt. And if North Korea decides it's going to become a part of a unified Korea, or even if it's not, even if it's just going to be a, a disruptive part of that part of the market, you've now got Japan, South Korea, and China that all have to now, China has to negotiate with whoever's in charge now. South Korea yeah. has to defend its own state, and Japan has to go, I really hate it when they shoot missiles over my island, but frankly, they might have to shoot missiles on my island just to prove a fucking point. Yeah. I think that might be one of the most concerning parts of the week. And when we say now, if he, not- now if he comes out alive and waving hands, we're all gonna we're gonna feel like the biggest bunch of um, pussies that got have let through the door. And when we say whether or not Kim Jong Un is dead, we don't mean dead to you. We mean like physically dead and without a heartbeat. Okay, he's been that's dead. He's been dead to me for months. <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, um, but no, for me that's the big thing, and um, it, that one could that one. Okay. Yeah. So could, what's what's the implications of him being alive or dead to the market? Okay. So to our markets. So, so to markets, fine. The best for human policy, and perhaps the worst for economic policy, is that perhaps the idea that if if North Korea collapses as a nation state and it needs to be absorbed by another nation state, no mm-hmm. one's going to say, hey, China, take it over. No, no one's going to like that. Everyone's going to want South Korea to. Everyone's going with South Korea to create a unified Korea. Mm-hmm. And that means that Korea, an incredibly fast-growing state, a very strong economy, is probably going to be dedicated. South Korea, that is, yes. right? South, South Korea is amazing Because right South now. Korea is probably going to be dedicated then to 20, 30, maybe even 40 years of undoing 70 years of anti anti western but if you think about but if you think about what that means so if they do unify can you just picture the amount of economic growth that absolutely i can in 60 years yeah i know but the amount of economic growth that will be priced into our markets now that will be a thing. I mean, no, but it won't. It won't manifest for fifty years. It's it's like a it's like a fifty. Year it, doesn't, pre- it doesn't matter because it's it, like we, a fifty year pregnancy. We'll know it's coming, no, but it's no, not no, going to no, hit no, until no, it hits. No. That's that's not true because a lot of J.P. Morgan's stock price in the early whatever, whenever they okay. became publicly traded, a lot of their early prices were not by any means justified by their balance sheets, their income statements, their cash flows. It wasn't justified by any of that. It was the stance of public this confidence. Is a, this is a high public confidence is going to be a high growth company for quite a period of time. They haven't reached a stable growth phase yet. But Korea is not going to have growth. If we look at it, if South Okay, yeah, that's South true. Korea, I'm also comparing a a, co- a, it a, won't co- be a business to a, a nation state, but yeah, yeah, it'll be it'll be like um so here's the comparison I made earlier tonight when we were talking uh, with other people. It'll be like the reunification of Germany. Differences well, on the West. The West Germany is reunifying with I don't know a company, a country, a nation state that has won an economy that hasn't evolved past 1950. So that's a huge amount of money to invest. And two, the worst part is it's not even that they have to build new roads and put new factories in it. It's they have to give help. They have to provide healthcare, jobs, education. 
to citizens because the citizens, as I understand it, of North Korea would be at best treated as hostages. Yeah. Well, if you didn't cooperate with the with the government, with the regime, you're dead. Currently. Yeah. That so, is my understanding. I might be wrong. Who knows? Tomorrow they might reunify and somehow they're all well educated. Okay. So yeah. So okay. Yeah. But so 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 if he so if Kim Jong Un is passed away. Markets what? You're saying they don't go up? I say Asian markets crash. Really? On that. Yeah. Especially Chinese markets because- Is they're they're going to have to spend a lot of money to go in and contain the, the leftovers? There are 15 nuclear weapons in that North Korean state. And China is going to have to make one of two decisions. And it's one of the decisions is, uh, do I want to have a unified Korea, which is a massively technologically advanced economy right on my southern border, complete with 30,000 US troops, which granted a reunified Korea doesn't necessarily- Need. I, I think. I think my, this is my. Or personal. do they go? Holy shit! There are fifteen thousand nuclear warheads right next to my border, and I don't know where they're going. So I need to get in there really. Quick. I don't know. I think my, my thing is if they end up unifying and they become, they accept Western culture and practices and economic you know, like practices. Yeah, like South Korea. I don't think it'll take long. I don't think it'll take sixty years. I, okay, so here's um, why. Here's why I give it so long. Here's why I give it decades. Okay, well, because, hurry up because because um, it takes a long time to heal people physically and to actually undo decades of anti-Western. Okay, I guess feelings. that's true. It's been in, right. It's so been it's been implemented for such a long time. Yeah, it's been implemented so long that it's ingrained, and you have to undo it and then ingrain a new just economic world and. Um, if they could do that in a decade, uh, Korea would be an economic powerhouse that would would stun the world because the the raw materials available in North Korea would just going to stun the world. Yeah, it, it's, it's there. It's yeah. just I I just don't. I think that's going to be the big question this week. And I say that with the with the understanding that um, we have coronavirus in the United States right now. Yeah, so we can't we can't necessarily go in there and help them recover as fast as no. we want them to. No, we can't. So because we have know. two aircraft carriers that are at dubious combat readiness in the Pacific, and we only no. have seven. Now, granted, no one else in the world has one except France, who has I think the Foch. But well, there you have it. That's our outlook on the economy and uh, whatever is to happen to our markets. That was pretty inconclusive because well, the entire world is inconclusive. So. Come at That's us. That's putting it mildly. Yeah, so come at us, all right? Um, hopefully you he learns. Yeah, because you don't know where we are, and I'm too cowardly to face you in person. That's why I'm hiding behind this microphone. I'm not. Um, I'll stand up. Okay, well, you speak for yourself. Anyways, hopefully you learned something about whatever we talked about, because I don't remember what we talked about. It's just We intended empty. to speak about debt, but we didn't get into it. We got a little well, bit into debt. We'll get into it a little bit more. In the meantime, guys. We'll talk about so, the bubbles next week. Bubble of national debt. Oh, bubble. yeah, because that's what we want to talk about, the bubble. Okay, well, next week then. National we'll talk versus about, private debt next week. We'll talk Stay about bubbles. Stay yeah, we'll talk about bubbles. We'll try to correlate that to something that's going on right now. Uh, hopefully something cool happens this week. If not, um, you should find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Drunkonomical, D-R-U-N-K-E-N-O-M-I-C-A-L. And uh, if you are generous and gratuitous enough, we have merch. uh, merch. Yeah, we have some merch now. So uh, go to Creative Brain Candy, their website. It's not hard to find. Type in Creative Creative Brain Candy on Google, and it should be pretty much the first thing that pops up. You'll see our merch there. If not, find us on Twitter, Instagram. And Facebook. I'm going to send you the right way. Yeah, the link to our merch is in our bio. If you want to wear a freaking awesome Drunkenomics Rat House shirt. Or if you just want to drink from a freaking awesome Drunkenomics coffee mug. Yeah, you can drink your Irish coffees out of a Drunkenomics coffee mug. Or just regular coffee. I like to think of Irish coffee because that's how you beat Drunkenomics. Yeah, I know, but sometimes you're just getting up on Saturday morning. Yeah, that's true. 
But anyways, seriously, thanks for all your support, guys. I mean, no, um, we're growing a lot faster than we ever thought we would. So uh, we love you guys very much. And in the meantime, until next week, seriously, I encourage all of you guys to do this very strongly. Stay drunk and amical. Cheers, friends.